Hello and thank you for tuning into the Young and Anointed podcast. This is a place for deep conversations about mindset, stewardship, and the development of a relentless pursuit of your passions. This podcast is a Sky Media production, and we hope that you enjoy the show. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. My name is Marzo Fletcher. Hey, listen, we got a really great show for you guys today. This is the Young and Anointed Podcast, episode number 20. Wait a minute. Here it is. Who is Karen Hubbard? Now, my guest, my guest today. So this is going to be a little different because typically we talk about different topics, you know, on mindset. We go deep on certain things. Um, and we don't have, I don't know if you noticed, but we don't have guests on this show typically, <laughs> but today, you know, I feel like we never, we've never really gone deep onto who we are. Okay. Um, we talk about our opinion. We talk about what we believe, but you don't know much about my story or Karen's story. So today I'm going to be interviewing my guest, Miss Karen Hubbard. And we're going to go deep. We're going to figure out who she is. And we're going to let you know about the power that comes from this individual right here. She's an athlete. She's a scholar. She's a mentor. She's a friend. She's a daughter. She is the person that people go to because she's got, she's, she's got this confidence. She's got this spirit about her that just is warm, welcoming and inspiring she's a she's a whole success story and it ain't even over yet this is person you want to know and if she's gone you're gonna miss her this is karen hubbard welcome to the show (laughs) wow this is a pretty good introduction (laughs) thank you how you feeling today i'm feeling good feeling good i'm feeling tired but like the good tired that you do from like like good work, you know how like there's like fatigue, but then there's like feeling drained. I'm feeling mm-hmm. tired, but from doing good work. So ready to get back at it today. How about you? Good. I am great. Um, I'm just ready to get into to this information. I think there's there's a lot there's a lot to hear here. Oh my. Okay. I'm ready too. Let's go. I'm buckled in. So first off. Could you just give us a little background about, you know, like your story? Give me, okay, so you were born and raised where you did this. This is what you were a part of. And now you are here. Just a rough overview of the last okay. 23. Rough overview. All right. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Karen Hubbard. Uh, middle name is Michelle. <laughs> um, I was born in Carmel, Indiana, uh, born and raised. And I am the oldest daughter of my parents. And I have a little brother and that is my best friend. We, let's see, spent a lot of time in Indianapolis, but then moved to Westfield where I met some super awesome friends. Um, Very, very involved in church. um, Pretty much where I get all of my wisdom and understanding um, definitely grew up in the church. Some places that I really like grew up in were like church and school. I was really involved in school, not only from a scholastic standpoint, but just like extracurricularly. Um, I think I started participating in student council at like 
third or fourth grade, like really, really early. Um, so leadership was definitely really appealing to me at a young age. Um, and that I continued that streak through involvement in other activities. Um, ended up being introduced to tennis. Um, really, really enjoyed tennis. Um, but then also was introduced to track. It was over from there. Um, started to compete um, and figure out that I was actually really good. Um, fast forward to high school, I continued to really enjoy school, found a love for engineering um, and helping people. I did a lot of giving back in my childhood. Um, my parents really, really ingrained that in me, really giving back to the community. Um, and through that, I was able to figure out what my strengths are early, um, not only through the things that I was involved in, but the things I've been through, um, whether it was voluntary or involuntary. <clears throat> um, I've always put a lesson from it. In high school, I was super involved in a lot of things. <laughs> so kind of remaining with like the main two, like engineering, or main three, engineering, giving back, and track. Um, competed in USA track in high school um, and competed in the Junior Olympics. That was super fun. Um, get to college, um, start to have a lot of health issues that kind of pulled me away from my dreams. Um, but since then, I've really just been pulling the lessons out of the things that I've, that I've been through um, and rewiring my dreams and remolding them. And here I am now. I think that's a good... It was a good overview of 23 years. Awesome. Yeah. So just could you answer the question then? Because, I mean, you know, people there, there's a lot there's a lot in the details of that overview for sure. And we're going to dig into some of them, but we don't have the time or <laughs> the Internet connection. <laughs> so really dig into everything that was in there. But oh, we are no. going to, we're going to hit a couple parts of it. So, like, could you tell me, could you just tell me who is. Karen Hubbard. Mm. Karen Hubbard is a warrior that will always find a lesson in the madness, who will always create a light in the darkness and will prevail over everything. Um, and I don't say that because of who I am. I mainly say that, say that because of whose I am and who I serve and who I choose to center my life around, and that is Christ. Um, and that, that undying, unconditional love um, has given me the permission um, that I need to be able to claim the confidence that I have because I am a child of God. Um, and with being that, that is the center of my being. So when did you, because I know in my story, like, you know, my family was, I grew up in the church, right? And then um, we were, you know, just in that, in that whole space. So I was more, I was... I was influenced by that early, but then I had to decide on my own whether I wanted to continue or not. Was there ever a time um, in your story where you just broke down, you know, different religion or Christianity and then decided to do it on your own? Or was it just always, it was never a question? Mm. So I, I will definitely say that my parents introduced me to Christianity by like having me go to church. Um, and I actually was just kind of the kid that never complained. I never complained about going to Bible study. Um, I was actually excited to go. And I just really enjoyed learning. Um, I would say that my introduction to other religions um, was definitely very light. So, of course, like I knew about different religions. And I did a little bit of light studying um, around, like, the age of, like, honestly, 12, really, really early when I started to notice that, like, other religions existed. Um, so, of course, like we learned a little bit about them through school, but I also had friends 
um, who are part of these different, different religions, like such as like Catholicism, um, Islam, um, and actually Buddhism. I was introduced to Buddhism pretty early. So like I did a little bit of light studying and just decided like that's, that's what I wanted to stick with. Um, but also within our church, um, our ministry really emphasizes understanding the foundations of the church and like why we do what we do. Um, and just because of the type of learner that I am, that really appealed to my senses and I've stuck with it. So I wouldn't say like I ever deviated, um, but I, I was aware of other things and decided to stick with what I was introduced to um, and just clung to that and develop my own relationship with Christ from there. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So what role would you say that your faith plays in your overall story? It is the only thing that's kept me alive <laughs> to be <laughs> alive in the sense of like physically, like, like not dead. And then also um, in terms of my spirit, because there have been a host of things that have sincerely tried to kill me, like kill my spirit, um, kill my ability to prevail and kill my ability to recover. Um, but through that, I've established resilience because I'm just like, no, I have a faith. Um, I have I have contact in a relationship with an undying, unrelenting power. There is no reason why I can't get through this, you know. And that's just kind of always been my, been my logic. So, no, faith is the center. Faith is the center. That's the, gotcha. the center. <laughs> gotcha. No, so this that's dope. Do you feel like you had that same energy? Uh, did, did you take that faith and did you take that same sort of mindset when you were first starting out in sports? When did you start in sports and how did, how did the story go? Oh my gosh. Um, I started out in sports in general, I wanna say at three. I think I have some pictures of when I was three, like on the tennis court playing, um, ten playing as best as possible, <laughs> playing tennis. Um, so being introduced to sports um, and cultivating that that discipline and consistency that comes with like you know getting better was introduced really really early. Um, so the hold on. So the question was um, the role of faith in sports, right? The role of faith in sports, but also the sports story. Mm, okay, yeah. So my faith definitely helped me as far as like figuring out what my talents were. Um, because like, I felt like I was like, you know, it was my job to pull either pull a lesson or pull a skill or strength, um, out of the things I was presented to. So tennis was my first introduction. Um, and I was, I was pretty decent. I was really decent. Um, but then I feel like, um, upon my dad, like not being in my life, that, that kind of like fell to the wayside because like he was primarily my coach. Um, so that kind of fell to the wayside. Um, and then I want to say tennis, and then I was introduced to track in middle school. I want to say sixth or seventh grade, but I was also doing ballet. So I was doing ballet and track. Um, oh, ballet, tap, and jazz for a while, actually, all three. I was doing all three, ballet, tap, and jazz, and track. Um, and then I switched to only doing ballet because I moved different studios. Ballet taught me what I want to say. I kind of want to say ballet taught me the power of the mind because for anyone that's listening and has ever taken a ballet class or a, or a dance class and had to learn anything about rhythm um, and understanding um, the flow and connection of creating a piece of art, which is dance, um, it teaches you a different type of mental discipline. Um, and definitely um, 
as far as just like sports, like I was starting to like, you know, become a little bit muscular and like in ballet, um, starting out, um, I was the only African-American. So like, I noticed that my body type was a little different than some of the other girls in the class. So that's when I really started to notice like, okay, like I, I might actually be able to go somewhere with this. So let's see what happens. Um, so I got so consumed with track um, that ballet fell to the wayside. It just, it just happened. Um, so I ended up quitting ballet or just like, you know, not, not coming back. And then I really, really started to focus on track. And that's when um, coaches really started to take notice that like I had actual talent. I had actual talent. Um, and I was definitely an athlete that had a lot of raw talent. But also when I started to get good, I started to also have a lot of problems at home, some turmoil at home. Um, and just with kids in general, um, home is the foundation. So with my foundation kind of being a little bit shaky, that also made my mental state a little bit shaky. So my commitment would fluctuate from day to day. It would fluctuate from day to day. I was definitely having a hard time at that point in my life. Um, we're at 2012 now, by the way. Definitely having a hard time like at that point in my life um, really making sense of what God wanted to come out of the situations I was going through at home. Um, but sports was my saving grace. It is 100% my saving grace because it was something that I could pour myself into and just completely get lost in it. And thank God that I had something healthy to pour myself into. Um, and just as a kid, I knew that I was gonna have something to, I knew I was gonna have to make something my anchor because at the time it couldn't be my family. It could not be my family. Um, and that's also kind of my faith hub too. So like, yes, I go to church and my family's my faith hub, but just at the time, it wasn't stable enough. Now, you enough. said this was 2012? Yes, we're in 2012. So, roughly, how old are you at this point? Like, like 14, let's see. 14. Yeah, 14, 14, 15. So, at 14, say it again? Going into high school. Gotcha. So, at 14, you're thinking about, so there's trouble happening at home, mm. and you are, you're, uh, your track and field career is picking up, but you are at this point thinking about an anchor, knowing that you need an anchor. Tell me about that. Like what, what, what 14 year old is thinking about, okay, I need a meant, I need an emotional anchor so that I can continue to move forward. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I was definitely not a normal 14 year old in the sense of how often I spent time reflecting, um, and at this time, I actually really started to ramp up with journaling. Um, I had been journaling since I was nine. So I've been like reflecting and making a practice of going through my thoughts and trying to make sense of what they mean um, from a very young age. So yeah, just at 14, I knew that I was made for more. I was made for big things. I wasn't sure what it was yet, but I definitely had a spirit that was just radiating outside of my body and looking for something to latch onto. And at the time, I just knew that the situation I was in at home couldn't foster it. So I was like, okay, what stable networks do I have? I have track. Okay, cool. I'll do that. So I started to like, you know, really, really go hard in the paint with um, track. Um, and then the same thing with school. Um, my parents had already like set up a lot of things as far as like planting seeds regarding engineering. Um, so like during the summer, I would do, um, you know, track training. I would train for track, but I would also do a lot of camps. Um, a lot of camps at different college campuses that would introduce me to, like, you know, different things that I could do with my life um, in terms of higher academia. Um, 
So I just, I really just buried myself in those things, really focused on having really good friends. Around the same time in 2012, um, a lot of the things that were happening in my family were also spilling over into my friends, um, just because of the hot mess of the situation that it was. Um, I did lose a couple of friends during that time. Um, and at 14, I was able to kind of reason with myself and be like, you know what? I had a feeling you weren't a good friend anyway, so that's okay. I'm gonna just replace you. Cause I felt like I had a really good spirit. I was like, you know what? I'm a good person. There's no reason why I can't make new friends. And I made new friends. There are still some friends actually that I made in 2012, 2013 um, to not like replace those new friends. But when old things die off, that's just more space for new things to grow. And I cultivated some really good friendships during that time. Martel Fletcher being one of them. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yep. Yeah, sports has been my backbone for a while. So that's why it was, it was really, really like traumatic when I wasn't able to compete or when I had, there was a pause. There was a pause placed on my competing. I'm not finished, but there was a pause um, placed on my competing um, just because I had built my life around that. And of course like, I haven't lived for very long. So there are other things I can establish and anchor in. But um, yeah, it was almost traumatic for me to kind of like, feel like I lost something, you know? Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So I want to go over, I want to go into two, two areas into detail because we were talking about sports, but you also were talking about the stuff that was happening and family, but just to stay on sports for a little bit, mm -hmm. um, could you give me the breakdown? Because people don't, I don't think people really know unless they were there, how good you were in track and field. I okay. don't think you really understand that. So okay. tell me about freshman year to senior year, high school track and field. Okay. Freshman year, senior year in track and field. Um, as a, every year um, I qualified for state. Um, I qualified for the um, IHSAA um, state track and field championships in my events, um, one, mainly 100. Um, but I believe that there were a handful of times I qualified, maybe one or two that I qualified for the 200. Um, but primarily my event was the 100 meter dash. Um, in terms of just competing, um, it was really difficult at first to kind of push myself um, because I was always competing with myself. Um, not to say that like there weren't other um, girls out there that were like fast like me, but it took me a couple years to find them. So like I didn't really face challenge until like my junior and senior year um and that's mm -hmm. when i really started to dig a little bit deeper as far as like mental discipline and searching for the areas where i could get better um and i my my athleticism really took off um when i began to work with um, my junior olympic coach um coach kendall mccroy <laughs> um he is a nut and he he definitely showed me um that i was always capable of more always capable of pushing more i was capable of putting more weight on the bar um and after I started training with him. I began to get really, really strong, actually, um, in terms of like just like in the weight room. I was really, really elevating my numbers in power clean, bench, squat. Um, I held the record for a long time for squat, um, but it was recently broken. I'm super proud of that. Um, let's see. I did held the record where? Held the record. I held the record at Westfield High School for squat. Um, I believe I got to three three fifty five. Um, and at the time, at the time I weighed like 155, 
So like that was really, really good for someone who weighed my weight. Um, I did end up breaking the record for the 100 meter dash at Westwood High School. Um, and I believe I still hold it. I don't really know. Looking forward to seeing it broken. Um, but I still hold the record for the 100 meter dash at Westwood High School. Um, I want to say that I hold a meet record somewhere. Meet record mean like a track meet. So like um, dual competitions are called track meets. Um, and then we also have like, you know, county meets, regional meets. And I want to say that I hold one somewhere. But I honestly wasn't really keeping track of it. Um, and like, I, I don't say that to be like, oh, like I was accomplishing a, a lot. Yes, I was. But I wasn't really focused on the numbers. I was focused on getting better. And the second you stop focusing on the numbers and try to like measure yourself up with something and just compete with yourself, that's when you can really dig deep and start to see some actual progress. Um, what else would I say? Junior Olympics, um, I did get a couple of medals. I placed a couple of times. Um, in the junior olympics um junior olympics is what it sounds like junior olympics um what else I'm trying to think of what else yeah i was i it was a lot <laughs> it was a lot my mom is starting to put together um the medals and the uh the ribbons downstairs and it's definitely giving me a lot of gratitude because i there were some points like i didn't realize how good i was and it wasn't because i was down on myself i just wasn't focused on it. I was just enjoying the everyday in and out toil of getting better. I wasn't always like that, but I was working towards that point. I was like, I want to work towards the point where I'm excited to go to practice. I'm excited to, you know, put more weight on the bar. I'm excited to like, you know, start off the rep, even though like my heart's pounding out of my chest and I feel like I'm going to die, but I'm going to harvest this feeling and turn it into energy. So yeah, does that kind of help paint a picture? Yeah, I think, you know, I just want to go ahead and highlight. She said she didn't really see competition until junior, senior year of high school. And for those who are not athletes, she also says she's been to state all four years. She said she didn't see competition until junior, senior year of high school, but she's gone to state all four years. State, the state championship is where you have the best athletes in the state so like I, I you can't even say like the best athlete at every school because not every school even qualifies so yeah. your school might have someone who's the fastest of course but that your fastest might not be even fast enough to compete with the eight other fastest people in the entire state that you live in so these people <laughs> take every kid in track running the 100 meter dash in the entire state of indiana right all the females running the 100 meter dash the fastest from every school were not competing <laughs> against karen <laughs> until junior senior year i just wanted to go ahead and highlight that real quick <laughs> so now as an athlete do you feel like what what role does sports i know you said it was your anchor but um in terms of like social life, do you feel like sports helped you out socially? Do you feel like sports helped you out in school? Do you feel like sports helped you out with other areas or was it its own way? Oh man, socially, that's that's a good question. I've never thought about that. I don't know. I've always kind of been a social butterfly. I've never really had to be like broken out of my cocoon ever. So like, I, I can't say that it did a huge role socially, but I can say, that a lot of my friends um, did come from track. A lot of my friends did come from track. Um, 
but I actually, actually no, I would say like probably like a a fifth of my friends came from track. I was definitely like cool with everybody on the team, but as far as like you know friends who talked outside of practice, I didn't have a lot of those. I definitely didn't have a lot of those. A lot of my friends actually came from like the camps that I did, from the camps that I did, um, from like school. Um, yeah, so as far as socially, that's what I have to say about that. Um, you said academically. Oh, heck yeah. Oh my gosh. So I think I want to say it was either freshman or sophomore year of high school like, where I started to take honors classes and then it would elevate to like um, advanced placement classes or AP classes or ACP classes where I was getting college credit. Boy, let me tell you, that's when I started to really struggle with math. And I was, I, and I don't like being bad at anything. Like, of course, like, mm-hmm. of course there's, you can always be better in comparison to like somebody else. But like, remember, mm-hmm. I'm competing with myself. So I think I remember when I failed my first class. I, th- I want to say it was pre-calculus honors too. Yeah, it was pre-calculus honors too. And I failed the hell out of that class. I got a D. And I was like, yeah, pre-calc honors. I will never forget. I was like, excuse me? <laughs> me? Karen Hubbard. Yeah, no. So that's when I really started to like see that the discipline that I was building on the track and literally keeping in my lanes, I could branch outside of the lane and bring into the classroom. And I was like, oh no, this is never happening again. This is never happening again. So like when I started to actually like um, figure out how I could apply the discipline in the classroom, that was a game changer for my academics. Um, The classes definitely got harder. So of course they demanded more from me. Um, Mm -hmm. But like prior to that, I was never somebody that had to study. I could just like, do well and get good grades like a's and b's um but i had never like applied myself and then like felt like i failed so yeah sports definitely helped me in that aspect regarding ac- academics oh boy especially senior year when i had calculus we were taking so um westwood high school um has a special program like, where you can take classes and we earn credit through indiana university so, like iu um and i knew that i would transfer like over to the school that i was going to which was purdue and so I was like, yeah, I'm going to bust this class out. I'm going to do really well, get a good grade. Boy, I was struggling. And that was like the first time that like not only did I, like, I have to like, I would stay after school, excuse me, and meet with the teacher. I would stay after school, meet with the teacher. I would ask my classmates questions. I was like, oh, no, I'm going to use y'all. Everybody in here is my team. And the team doesn't fail together. Everybody here is my team. Welcome to the team. I'm asking you questions. (laughs) This is a group effort to help her do well in this class. Yeah, so it did help academics for sure. 100%. Dope. So, ooh, I want to... Were you popular in school? Apparently, yes. I, I now, explain <laughs> that, please. I apparently yes. I I felt like I was well known for my character and my athletic prowess. I I apparent I didn't I wasn't hip to the fact that I was apparently popular because like, again I'm not focused on that like all of that stuff. I feel like I was like a 25 year old going through high school like I. I wasn't with the drama and people knew that. 
people knew not to bring stuff to me because like I don't I don't have the space for it. I don't have the bandwidth. I don't have time for you or your foolishness. If it's not track or school, don't speak to me. So I don't know if like that's what made me well known, but like apparently I was, and I I wasn't really like. Okay, no wait, no wait. I started to kind of feel like I was popular when I won Homecoming Queen. I've started to feel popular after I won Homecoming Queen. And then I was like, I may actually be well known after I won Prom Queen, Prom Queen too. So I was like, hmm, I think people mm-hmm. like me. But like, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Wins Prom Queen and Homecoming Queen and then starts to think, people know me a little bit (laughs) i was not paying attention i was i was not focused on the minutia was that intentional yes i wasn't i'm not paying i don't know if it i don't know if it was intentional or it just wasn't in my character to like pay attention to those things like i i feel like all of my energy was dedicated towards school track and honestly, now that I look back at it, personal development, because I, I continued to journal throughout high school um, and really just like, you know, dig deep into the depths of who I am. Um, and I was I was really, really focused on finding meaning in all the things I've been through, um, through just like, you know, listening to church sermons and like, you know, continuing to just like take heed to the people that were like mentors to me. Um, I, I wasn't like reading a lot of personal development books, which is funny because like a lot of people think I was. But I just, I was, <laughs> you were, <laughs> I just, I wasn't focused on that. So I don't, I can't even answer the question if it was intentional. It just, it never crossed my mind to care what other people think in high, in high school, in high school. No, like I cared, like, you know, what like job interviewers had to say about me. I care what my teachers had to say about me. I care what my guidance counselor had to say about me, but like other kids my age, what kind of weighing do you have on my spirit and my life? Zero. Got you. Yeah. So, but was I popular? I don't. <laughs> yeah. Um. Without without going into too much detail, Karen was the most popular kid in the school. Um, what? But she was also the most. Uh, what it? What, what would you call it? difficult to get to <laughs> most most popular kid in the school but like the least likely to just be your friend <laughs> and so not saying that she was like you know bad or evil towards anybody she was really nice to everybody it's just there was a it's just, she, she kept a small circle and she was very intentional about who she let in and so i just so happened to be one of the people that was on the inside. <laughs> but I was also, I could, I was also out there to see the outside as well. So I knew how popular she was. And <laughs> she seemed not to understand it. So, <laughs> so let's go ahead and switch switch gears a little bit. Tell me about um your family situation. You said that you your your brother is your best friend. Mm-hmm. And you know that's not something that you hear all the time so so exactly tell me about your your mom your dad your relationship with your brother all of it okay let's start with parents 
I am like the clone copy of my mother, <laughs> 100% in terms of uh, work ethic and resilience, for sure. Um, and I definitely feel that she was really intentional about planting me in environments and situations um, as much as possible. Um, that would only benefit me and the legacy that I'm establishing um, through Christ. Um, my relationship with my mom is really, really close. If you if you're not on camera, I'm I'm crossing my two fingers because that's literally us. We're two peas in a pod. Um, she's also my best friend, which is really interesting. She's also my best friend, 100%. Um, but yeah, me and my mom <laughs> are like the same person. So like um, like whenever I'm down or whenever she's down, it's really awesome to like pretty much have someone that's like your phone copy who knows how to talk to you um, because uh, I've come to realize that there are very few people who know how to like talk me out of the funk or like help me talk through things um, because even though I'm a very I'm a very emotional being I'm also very very logical and until I find, until I find a solution it's like I can't do anything and there are very few people who know how to like navigate that space in my brain my mom is one of them mom my mom my mom is my best friend biggest biggest cheerleader oh my god like she wants it's like there are some days i question if she wants me to win more than i want me to win and i'm like you know what that's inspiring so i need to be like you <laughs> and want it as bad as you want it for me um mm -hmm. as far as my dad um definitely um rekindling that relationship but as far as my childhood um i was definitely daddy's girl i was 100 a daddy's girl um in my childhood i really love my father um definitely get I'm a bulk of my athleticism from him. Um, my mom, I want to, my dad, I, I get the speed. My mom, I get the strength. 100% I get the strength. Um, but yeah, it's just as far as my dad, um, very, very good, um, strong foundation with him. There are a lot of things that he taught me in my childhood that I, I definitely wouldn't have if he wasn't there. Um, but just because of like, you know, the life that he had and some of the things that um, were unresolved with him um, that prevented him from being as present as now that I'm, I'm learning now, as he would have liked to be. Um, but what's different about me um, is that I never blame myself for like, you know, the problems that he had, the problems that he had with his own. Um, and that's just another kind of mature standpoint that I took as a child. I was like, this isn't about me. This is totally about you and your own resolve stuff. Um, and I just happened to be the victim of it. Um, yeah, one of many victims of it. Um, but yeah, super strong foundational um, foundation. Um, started to kind of break apart a little bit. Actually, you know, I mean, it was always breaking apart, but just as a child, I was picking up on those things. Um, okay, and then with my brother, my little brother, my heart and soul. Um, oh, my little man. Okay, but barely little anymore. Um, that's my man's. That's my man's. <laughs> um, definitely my best friend. Um, we kind of like switched on and off with the bully roles as we were growing up because um, like I used to be bigger than him So like I we would like fight sometimes but like of course like if he ever cried I was always there. I was like, oh my god. I'm so sorry I'm beat you up tomorrow, but um He and I were definitely best friends throughout childhood um, And that's why I'm like I'm, I always try to like think like oh my childhood like what did I do? I'm like man, I was chilling my brother like that's my man <laughs> um Definitely, I feel like I'm one of his biggest cheerleaders behind my mom. Of course, she's number one. Um, but yeah, I just, I really, I get so much joy from watching him figure things out, from watching him, like, you know, 
um, seeing things click. He, he has like these sets of faces that like have remained the same from like childhood to now, as far as like, I can tell when he's clicked. I can tell when he's really angry. I can tell when he's wrestling with something in his spirit. Um, that's my man's. We actually go to school together now and he's at Purdue playing football. Um, and he he and I definitely, um, you know, like we, we make sure we take care of each other. Um, but he is a very intentional person. He was really intentional. And just with this year, this past year, um, he was super intentional about like, you know, spending more time with me, um, despite the fact like, you know, we're both busy. Um, yeah, that's my man's, that's my man's. Um, I actually have a half sister. I don't know her too well, but I would like to um, for my dad's first marriage. Um, but yeah, that's parents and siblings. Got you. You, you said something that was really interesting, and I don't want to move past it. You said, and what I didn't know, you said that you were a daddy's girl, right? Mm -hmm. And you said that you were really close with your dad. Yeah. But then you started to talk about how you aren't now. So yeah. what was it? What happened? Or what were the things that might have that you might have went through with him that made that situation not as uh, great as it used to be? Yeah, absolutely. You don't hear, people aren't people don't go from daddy's girl to not daddy's girl. Yeah, <laughs> so like, no, definitely. Yeah, I'm happy to dive more into it. So, um, he had he skipped out on a lot of really important spiritual work. I feel like so the things that I'm saying are also things that are, like, are kind of in the works of what I'm learning um, because I'm doing a lot of reflecting, journaling, and therapy on it now. Um, but the things that he went through, I don't think he did a diligent job at really making sure that he was properly healed. Um, because when you are pushing to build strong foundations, you have to first make sure within yourself that you are strong and that what you're pouring into your seeds, in this case, your children um, and your wife, um, are healthy. And I don't think he did a good job um, at all um, with sincerely overturning every rock, pebble, stone, and piece of trauma that he's had um, that could possibly impede on his ability to show up for his kids. Um, and just as he got older and as we were demanding more from him because we weren't average kids, we were not average kids. Um, we required a little bit more than like, you know, discipline every now and then feeding and, you know, nurturing. Byron and I were cultivating very, very involved athletic and academic careers. And that requires a present parent and just the things that he had been through um, and his lack of his lack of healing really contributed to that. And it started to show um, as I was getting older. I think it was kind of always there, but just as a kid, I wasn't picking up on those things like him not always being around or him not not always sleeping in the house or like, you know, just him being around a little less. And I, I started to put the pieces together um, as I was older and he just became so sick. So when I say sick, I mean sick in his mind. So sick in his mind um, that I didn't recognize him. I didn't recognize him as a person um, that was no longer the father that I knew. Um, but I don't know if I ever knew him because like, you know, he was always presenting a facade that he was okay, but he wasn't. Um, and it just really started to un unfold. It just, he couldn't he couldn't keep it to himself anymore. His insanity started to not only show on his face um, but in his charisma and his actions. Um, yeah, it was, just, it was a hot mess and then it, it ended up spiraling into domestic violence. So I am a survivor of domestic violence. Um, and with that being said, he is no longer a part of my life. 
Um, he actually disappeared for a while to uh, serve time. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm working on defining what I want that relationship to look like now. Um, but I have a very forgiving heart. And again, just back on the faith thing, forgiveness is for you. It is 100% for you. Um, but I've never, ever had a hard time forgiving him, which is really interesting. And I was, for a while, I thought I was like, am I gullible? Like, am I not feeling the weight of a situation? And I was like, no, I realized that the alternative is holding on to it. Why would you continue to meditate on all the bad things that someone did to you? You want to say stuff. You want to remain a victim. And I was like, I will not, I will not, I will not bow down to this victim mentality. I was a victim in that situation, but I'm not going to allow that situation to victimize me continuously because just with all the factors that went into that um, and the crashing down of that relationship, um, that's enough to make you bitter towards men in general. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not I'm not going to be so hardened off that I can't I can't develop a relationship with any man, whether it's a friendship or romantic. Um, so, yeah, with with the dying of that relationship and the kind of rekindling of the embers now um i am no longer a daddy's girl for now i still definitely love my dad 100 i love that man he gave me life taught me a lot of things um but for the time being i decided that like for that period of time when he was out of my life he wasn't healthy enough to contribute i can only have healthy in this circle i'm making a circle with my hands i can only have healthy in the circle martel said i keep my circle small that is intentional because the places I'm going, I don't have space for your poison. I only have space for mine. I barely have space for mine. So I am not going to be space for yours, you know? But yeah, that was a high-level overview. I hope that answered your question. So what from that story exactly do you do you feel like made you stronger? Like, what did you learn from it and what helps you now and what you do? Oh, man. You cut out a little bit for me. You said, what did you learn from it and then what? How does it? Yeah. How do you apply what you've learned and what you do now? Yeah, um, I feel like I'm still learning things from that situation, but I wanna say like, just kind of some of the things that are on the top of my head as far as what I learned. I learned forgiveness, I'm good at that. <laughs> um, and I learned how to prevail. I think that specific situation alone, um, ah, eh. That's one of many situations that taught me the power of prevailing. Um, so that's two. What else did I learn? I learned that um, I'm defined by what I say I'm defined by. I think that a lot of people, I think the worldly context tends to get really, really hung up on the things that happen to us. Um, but that's when I really started to tap into, you know, like, these aren't happening to me. They're happening for me. Um, and I have not happening to me. They're happening for me. And if I want to get even more abstract, they're happening to the human part of me. My spirit is going to go on. So I, I had to make a choice that I wasn't going to be defined by my human experience because I am, I'm preparing for a life that is beyond this. And this is just a small picture of it. It's a small picture of it and it's not going to last forever. I, I learned that at a very, very young age and I had to because I was like, I got too much going on and I got to I got to somehow try to maintain what I have going on is really funny because I was really functioning like a, like an adult. But um, 
I learned that at a very young age. So I would say like those are the, those are the couple things that I feel like will really emphasize through what I went through. Um, the first question was what you learned. What was the second one? How do you apply it to what you do today? How do I apply it? Okay. So I'm, I, the, sh the form at which I apply it definitely molds and changes. Um, and something that I'm actually learning now is that some of the things that I learned, like, while well, yes, they were positive and they helped me stay focused and they helped me heal, um, a little faster than most people would from those situations I feel like would, um, it did start this kind of unhealthy obsession with blind ambition and ambition is not bad in itself. Ambition is not a dirty word. I heard that somewhere, but, um, blind ambition can be really misleading and really draining. So, um, something that I'm learning and applying is really checking myself to make sure that like, just because I'm good at something doesn't mean I have to do it all the time and for everyone. Um, so something that I'm applying right now is exercising um, discretion um, and making sure that I'm very intentional. I feel like that intentionality piece was missing um, as far as like, okay, I'm going to do this because this and that's why instead of just doing everything. And I, I think for a while too, um, I was applying those lessons in way too high of a concentration and it led to, I don't even want to say it led to burnout. Cause like when I'm learning about burnout, that doesn't really make sense, but it just, it just led to me being led by blind ambition. Blind ambition was more so in the seed rather than ambition with intentionality, if that makes sense. So how I'm applying it now is just, um, making sure that I'm cultivating the strengths that I have properly, um, because with overusing them, it's made me really, really tired, really, really tired. So that's what I'm working through now. Gotcha. Yeah. Awesome. So without, okay, so we've got, mm, I want I want to ask you what, what are you involved in today? And then, and what are your, what's better yet? Let's make a prediction. <laughs> in five years, because we're gonna we're gonna roll this back. Okay. In five years, where do you see yourself? What do you see yourself doing? What would you like to have accomplished in the next five years? I know you you've got a lot going on, so briefly briefly talk about what's going on, and where you see yourself in five years. Okay. In five years, I see myself still in medical school. I see myself. <laughs> I see myself being an Olympian. I see myself still getting back. Still getting back. I don't know. I don't know if it'll still be in the realm of track, just because like that takes so much time. I'm learning now because I coach now. Um, but I see myself like either being like like an assistant Girl Scout troop leader, because I was a Girl Scout too. I love Girl Scouts. It taught me so many skills. Um, so I see myself giving back um, specifically in the form that I really, really enjoy, which is through like mentorship um, and fostering um, soft skills. So definitely like either like, I was thinking either a Girl Scout troop leader, like an assistant Girl Scout troop leader, I can't run the whole thing, um, or really diving into my ministry at church. I really want to establish a ministry in church um, surrounded on like mindfulness and well-being, um, 
because not that I feel like this was overemphasized in my church. Um, I don't feel like this mentality was emphasized at all, but I feel like a lot of African-Americans tend to really pray things away and not like emphasize the action of praying things away, um, but sometimes fall short with making the connection of how your body holds on to things. Um, yeah, so that's my ministry. But yeah, I see myself giving back. I see myself in, as an Olympian and I see myself as a doctor in five years. Dope. So Karen, thank you for that. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being an awesome person, doing awesome things and being a part of this show. I think a couple of things we can pull out of what we just heard was um, resilience. One, having a strong anchor, faith, having a very strong anchor and letting that uh, keep everything else together. This person who, this, this is a person who has gone through a lot of stuff, but there was never a point uh, during this interview that you said that that she said, oh yeah, I was going through this difficult thing and then I stopped, I gave up. I, I was going through this thing and it really just broke me to the point where I could not continue. No, it was, it was, I was going through this thing, but then I had to, I had to pull on my faith I had to fall back on what I know. I had to figure out me. I had to reflect on who I am and then continue to move forward. Her her issues with her father wasn't the end of the story. You see that she's not, she's not, she didn't break down in tears completely, just bent out of shape. She's still this athlete, this overachiever, this person who's accomplishing a lot, despite everything that she said has happened. So I think I think this this person right here on the other side of the screen is a prime example of young and anointed. This is a person who's getting done. Thank you for your time. That is today's episode. This is the Young and Anointed podcast episode number 20. Who is Karen Hubbard? I'm Martel. And I'm Queen K. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>